Good morning. We've already had an eventful morning. I almost wish you all could have experienced our first hour because our sound system went out. And uh, the spontaneous worship that happened in the house was almost like, well, maybe that should happen more often. Or the other thing I thought about, because we are taking pledges this week for our new building, I thought, well, that was perfect timing. Our sound system is vulnerable because we're moving around all the time. And uh, a bug, actually with a portal, uh, we found later, is a port on the, on the keyboard went out and it, and it just blasted this whole room with loud noise. And I thought, oh, the Lord's doing that just to show our need for a building. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. God works all things together for good. <laughs> oh, no. I just am captured with that last song. Man. You know, what each of us needs more than anything else is just that deep heart connection with your Father who created you. And it's supposed to go, our lives are designed to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the richness of his glory and his love. I felt real strong. Uh, actually, last night when I was praying about this morning, I didn't even share this first hour. But I felt like there are people like in their walk with the Lord or someplace in your life and you just feel stuck. It's like, I'm just stuck. I, I'm not where I want to be and I've just been here for too long and I, and I, I want to get unstuck. And um, I believe at the end of the service there's going to be grace for people to get unstuck. Anybody believe Jesus wants us to get unstuck in this room? I just believe there's, there's going to be grace at the end of this gathering where people who feel like I've been in this spot too long, I want, I want to move forward, but I feel stuck, the Lord's going to release you. That's a, a word of knowledge, but I believe it's from God. So, anyway, I'm going to share a little bit. We are going to take pledges. I'm going to talk a little bit about the heart of this church because I, uh, you, you need to know we have been gathering in, in church gatherings like this and schools since 1995. See, that's a long time. Uh, in the meantime, the Lord has blessed us with a property, 60 acres, paid for. Uh, we have buildings over there, office building. We have small building, gathering buildings. But we're at that place in our church life and our history where God is opening up the door for something more on that property. And we'll end up talking about that. But I want you to know my vision is not a building. My vision is, is people. Our vision is people. Our vision is our culture. Our vision is families. And really, I'm captured actually by the very beginning of Genesis with the mandate that God has for you, the mandate that God has for me. So let's look at this real quick, Genesis 1, 27 and 28. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. I just declared out over our culture. He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and rule. The first thing I really want us to recognize is God created us to reign and rule with him. 
We have to recognize that the enemy, Satan, had already, Lucifer, had fallen to the earth with a third of the angelic realm, which became the powers of darkness on the earth. And other than the Garden of Eden, the enemy is working really hard to destroy the plans of God on the planet. When God created the earth, every time he did another phase, he says, and it is good. But Lucifer came down with the demonic entourage, and he began creating chaos. So the Lord says, all right, I'm going to create creatures who will choose to love me and choose to worship me and become my family, and our family is going to take back the planet. So man was given, you were given, I was given the mandate to bring God's order back to earth. And how are we supposed to do that? We're supposed to do that as family units. And Lucifer steps into the garden. He knows that if we get this family thing down, he's in trouble. If we get this marriage thing down, he's in trouble. If we propagate the earth with godly children, he's in trouble. And so he comes right into the garden to thwart the plans of God. And this is the plan of God is from the very beginning. And so the enemy comes in and you know, you know the story, deceives Eve and Adam. They bite into the lie that they can't trust God. He's not as good as he thinks he is. He's not as good as you think he is. He's, he's holding out on you. And this is the number one deception over the earth, is God is not as good as you think he is. And so Eve bites the fruit. Adam partners with her, and they give away the authority that they had as partnership as man with God to actually subdue and rule on the earth. And we know uh, the story of mankind from that point all the way to the cross where God says, all right, I delegated it to man, so my son's going to go down and become the son of man. Somebody say Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus comes. You guys know the story. Don't get too familiar with it. Let it, let it awe you again. This one of our challenges is familiar stories. We need to stay in this place of awe. God becomes a man, and he lives a 33-year life. He doesn't fall into sin. He faces everything that you and I face. And he goes to the cross as the sacrificial lamb to pay the price for your and my sins and all mankind's sin. He came to demonstrate that God is trustworthy. This whole story, this whole book, is really about one thing. You can trust him. It's that simple. You can trust him. It's all about you and I learning to fully 100% trust God. And so this is the mandate that we have. Jesus dies on the cross. He descends into the gate of Hades. He makes a mockery of Satan. It says in, in Hebrews, he makes, in Colossians, a mockery of Satan. He grabs the keys back. He ascends and resurrects. And he comes to his disciples. He's got, I've got the keys, Right? And he says, Matthew 28, we're back in business. All authority, you guys would say, probably say it with me, right? All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. How? As the son of man. You see, it was always God's plan that man would rule on the earth. So the son of man came to get the keys back, to feed the devil. And they said, I've got authority now. We're back in business. I want you to go make disciples of all nations, all nations, baptizing them, say it, in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and listen, teach them to do everything I've commanded you to do. 
We're back in business. You're back in assignment. You've got the keys. You've got everything you need. I defeated the law of spirit of death, and, and I've defeated the devil. He's a defeated foe. You have authority. Now go. Make disciples. You notice he didn't say go make converts. And so we've been getting assignment, you guys. You and I have the assignment to actually bring the authority of heaven. I'm, I'm one of these guys that really am bought into the idea that we don't just proclamate the gospel to get people to heaven. Certainly that is a huge part of our mission. We want everybody to have reconciliation with God and to actually enter up, end up in heaven when they die, not hell. We do believe in hell. And we do believe in heaven. Jesus like Bill Johnson says, God would have been really cruel if he sent his son to die if there wasn't something for him to save us from. And so I believe that our assignment is not just to get people to heaven. I am fully embrace the idea that we're to get heaven to earth. We are to bring the revelation of the goodness of God into culture. We actually, as Chris Valentin says, we are to be the cultural architects of earth. We are to extend the Garden of Eden out around the planet. Anybody agree with me so far? Just say amen if you agree with me so far. There's a few of you. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I was starting to think, am I teaching you something new or are you just bored with this thought? I just break off boredom because this excites me. This makes me come alive. This is why I'm on the earth, is to bring the revelation of the goodness of God to culture and shift history. And that's what you're alive for. And so Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. So we're the preservative. The church is the preservative of everything that's good lives. So if things aren't good living in our culture, it's because we're not salty anymore. We're the salt of the earth, so we're to preserve. That was the name, main purpose of salt back then, was to be a preservative. Other things, but that was a big thing. And so we're the salt of the earth. I think Martin Luther King said it, that we're the social conscious of God on the planet. Other people have said that too. He also said, you're the light of the world. Turn to your neighbor. You look pretty bright right now. Go ahead, turn to him right now. You look pretty bright right now. We're, we're the light of the world, which means we bring the revelation of truth and we expose the powers of darkness, deception, and death. That's who we are, the light of the world. We are to bring the revelation of the goodness, the holiness, the righteousness of Christ. The Bible says we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my Witnesses, that means our words and our life represent the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And our, our journey, and I'll talk about this at the end of the service, our journey is that we are going from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. We are getting more and more handsome and beautiful as the days go by. Not necessarily in the natural, but the inner man is being renewed day after day, after day, after day, and we're just getting more and more awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're getting more and more awesome. But not as awesome as me. Anyway, teasing. This is is really bottom line for us um, as a church. This is bottom line for me as a leader and a pastor. And when I live in the valley, 
I, I feel responsible for the valley. I care about every person in the valley because God cares about every person in the valley. I care about every family in the valley because God cares about every family in the valley. And our vision statement, just to catch you up, and by the way, if you're, if you're new here, welcome. I'm so glad you are, but this is kind of more of a fan. This is not a normal sermon that leads to a giving of a pledge. Um, but, but be family with us and just lean in, and, uh, and I trust the Lord will capture your heart one way or the other. Our vision statement, you guys can say it with me, our vision, Northgate exists to see what? Every heart healed, every family made whole, and every nation transformed by the love of the Father. The love of the Father is the most powerful um, source in the cosmos to affect change, expressed by giving His Son. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And as a church family, we care about the nations, right? Peter uh, is back there in the back. He's selling coffee and Heart on chocolate for a blind school in Rwanda, and uh, and it's just remind it's kind of advertisement. But he's a missionary here. His wife just had a baby. Christopher, you guys haven't seen her, him yet, but but we care about Rwanda. Somebody say I care about Rwanda. Why? Isn't that crazy? As Carla said, we're here in this little town in Alaska, and we're affecting nations, and that's because of the love of the Father. So we're in this place of talking and investing, investing in the future uh, with this campaign called I Am Somebody. And actually, Stephen is the one that kind of captured the idea. He says, you know how when, when people see something that needs to be done, like clean up the street or something, and you get, somebody ought to take care of that, right? Well, what we're saying is, no, we are that somebody, I am somebody that's going to step into the needs of our culture. I am that somebody step into the needs of this house. I am somebody to answer the need in the, in the hour. I also like the I am somebody because it means that I think it captures the vision statement of our house. Every single person is significant to God. I, I, I just like... Man, I wish I had the grace to lay hands on people and then get that. How significant you are to God. That's, that's really the dream and the vision of our house is that people in our valley understand their significance. So a little bit of history about our building real quick. A year and a half ago, we put together some prints and, and we presented to the congregation a project that was estimated to be about $4.8 million project. We took a miracle offering and 900000 came in. We had one point five in the bank, so that took us to $2.4 million, and the project to complete was four point eight. And uh, we just kind of in this place where we started to raise funds. A couple things happened, um, and I ended up saying, God, our elders, are, and I agree with them, are not ready to step into a big loan. And don't, it doesn't feel like that's wise and the way to go um, and saddle this, this community with the debt payment and mortgage payment. Um, and so we're like, I'm praying and we're talking and I'm praying, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? Our, our plans are bigger than what our pocketbook has. And, and Lord, what are you doing? In the midst of that, I started hearing in different ways um, God cares about our community. He wants us to think about our community. When we build this building, we don't want just, just to meet our needs as a worship center and our Sunday school 
education classes, but think about how this building can be used to reach the community. And uh, it was in that journey that we had meetings with Massachusetts Health Foundation, who is an organization that's uh, financed by a trust fund, and their mission is to make the Matanuska Valley the healthiest place on the planet. Is that not cool? And so we actually said, what could we build that would help you fulfill your goal, just out of curiosity. And so as we talked, we realized that there was a way that we could build a building that we could have a worship center in, also be community use-oriented, the multi-purpose room, that could invite the community to do things in that, in that room. And so this last spring, we were, um, Carla and I had been talking about it, elders have been talking about it. Well, what if we pared down our project to where it was more doable. And we, we met with Scott, Sound Decisions, Scott and Jeremy Pennington, and they said, we can do this. And so we have started this project. We're going to talk about it real quickly. One of the things that I am in this place is just grateful for the many years of Northgate family sewing into this property. We have a property that the borough assessment says is valued about $2.1 plus million, which is conservative. It's all paid for. Now, just think about this. People before us, and some of you are in the room, committed $2.1 million to buy this property and put the buildings on it. That's pretty amazing. And then also, we committed another almost $500,000 to put the utilities in, Northgate Lane, and, and all of the pad. So we've invested um, a lot of money in that property. That's all done. Let's praise God for that. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Okay, so this next, next portion of the project, this is it right there. This is multi-purpose, some classrooms on the left. And uh, this is what we're pushing towards right now. Carla will come up and give you the numbers in just a minute. But our future looks bigger. Look at the next one. This, that's to extend out the education wing and also to put the nice glass lobby up front of the building. And then the next phase, it really, this, there's uh, offices down here on the left, but what I'm excited about is a kitchen, men, men's breakfast, we have a kitchen to cook in, come on. A kitchen, a, another multi-purpose room, and a cafe with places for people to be around tables, drinking coffee, having soup, and talking about Jesus. And so that's the future. It, but bigger than that, I honestly believe that when we start here in community, the Lord wants that property to be a community center where we have partnering businesses, partnering ministries, all on that six acres. How many of you know six acres is a lot of property? And, and that we would maybe divide up, sell some, we're not sure, but there would be partners that have the same mind and heart that the love of the Father would be demonstrated to anybody that comes on the property. So I believe we're going to see down the road people will be coming to the Northgate property, not necessarily because they're coming to church, but for some other reason, and in their coming, they're going to encounter the love of the Father. That's my dream. That's our dream. And so um, I'm going to have Carla come up, and she's going to talk a little bit about the numbers. She's the number gal. I'm so grateful for this lady. And much more than a number gal, by the way. <laughs> and a teacher, and a preacher, and an administrator, and... <laughs> And, and men, aren't you so glad that you get a kitchen? 
in the building. That's what Dennis said first service. Man, you get a kitchen. And I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, so part of, you know, we really wanted to go over the full story again today. Because as we invite you to give, you know, we've released the story in pieces over weeks, but we're not sure if everybody's really knows the full journey that we've been on. And I just wanted to tell you about in the middle, as we felt our hearts turning towards how do we do something for this community, one of the most impactful things that happened in the middle of that journey was that um, somebody from the school district actually came and did an ACEs training with our staff. Now, ACEs stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And what they were coming to explain to us is there's been years of study and years of data that has been accumulated where they've understood that children who go through adverse childhood experiences, and there's, there's categories of 10 of them, so you get kind of a score, directly correlates then to your ongoing physical health, to your likelihood of having um, mental health struggles, suicidal stuff, drug problems, all that kind of stuff. And, and so they've identified that that's actually a real problem and there's this real target to go after kids who are in vulnerable situations. And, and, um, and what happened after that meeting is they shared the statistics of the Matsu Valley. Like we actually left that meeting as a staff and we were going into our planning meeting for a Sunday service and we literally just sat around the table and cried. Because we were like, how do we plan for a Sunday service after hearing the reality of what's happening with the children in our valley? You know, and it really just pulled on our hearts of like, you know, with what Dennis said, like, we're the salt and we're the light. Like, what are we going to do? And I just wanted to share some of those statistics and invite you into understanding the, the problem that we're wrestling with as a church of the valley. And so this is, so some of the, the things that are considered adverse childhood experiences are up here. And these are statistics from 2013, 2014 from the Matsu Valley alone. And it's saying among, prevalence of these selected stress factors, adverse childhood experiences, that people are reporting having before 18 years old. And so it's verbal abuse, 36.5% of people reported that experience. Physical abuse, not including just regular discipline or what's considered a healthy spanking, 23.4%. Neglect, which is the absence of any kind of love and appreciation in the home, was 19.7%. Depression or the presence of a mental illness in the home was 19.7%. Sexual abuse was 17.8%. And it said an estimated 12% of the population of the Matsu Valley have experienced five or more of the adverse childhood experiences before age 18. And so that's what we really came away and wrestled with. And we're like, what are we going to do about it? And I'm just going to add to that the fact that that was in 2013, 2014. All the evidence is showing that those statistics are increasing at a pretty rapid rate. Um, and so if you go to the next slide, that in 2017, it's showing 13.5% of children in our valley are living below the poverty line. And... and um, we just heard from Teelan, because we're building more relationship here, that when Teelan started, that they had 12% of their students in the school on the free meal program because of their household income level. From when they started, when it was 12%, as of this year, it is now 46%. 
That's the level of increase. And so even in a couple of years, statistics are showing 20% in 2017 of students reported being cyberbullied. That now has jumped in two years up to 25%. And, a, and one of the most recent surveys that was taken actually in this school year showed that the percentage of students who considered suicide in the last 12 months across our Matsu middle schools, look at that, 23%. And so there's this place in our hearts that have just been, God, what do we do about this? How do we own this in our valley? And just say, look, it's not okay with us and we're going to do something about it. So when we went to the Matsu Health Foundation, and they're the ones who collect these statistics, they're the ones who help sponsor programs, and we went to them and we said, okay, what can we do? And they really pointed, strongly pointed us towards after-school programs. There's a lot of research that shows just the connection with one caring adult can change the path of a child and stop them from becoming a statistic. So they were like, Get kids connected, get them involved, get them engaged in programs so that we can begin to shift some of that. And so that's what they've really encouraged us towards. So as we've dreamed towards this building, what we also have dreamed about it is filling it with kids. We're working on after-school programs. We've got partnership from Matsu Health Foundation towards operating costs so that we can do it. We're looking at expanding our preschool because we know that we're one of the only low-cost preschools in our valley and that preschool can actually go a long way towards educating children and making them more successful in school. We're looking at other things that we can do to create points of connection and caring because we want to own health in our valley. And... and and so the reality is, is here's where we are. You know, we've got this building, and if you can put this up here, to get this first phase, which would get us operational into all of those things, the cost is $2.75 million. When we started, we had right on $1.8 in the bank. Since then, you guys have already given $105,000, which, thank you, that's amazing. That was, you know, before we even really asked, money started coming in, and we so appreciate that. And then that leaves us with $856,000 to be raised to finish this first phase. And, and, you know, I know that that sounds like a lot of money, but when you break it down to the amount of families that actually come to our church, it probably represents around $4,000 per family. And I know that not everybody can give that, and some people will give more than that, but when you look at it that way, it's actually not so insurmountable. And so the ways that we've, taught, we've asked you and we've invited you in to get involved is, as we move closer and closer to that goal, is we've given you these on your seats every week. You're probably tired of seeing them, but this was like, hey, family. Can everybody say Family. We need partnership here. So this is your opportunity to give into this project. And, and we asked you to consider like a one-off amount of support. We asked you to consider maybe um, pledging towards till the end of October or then all pledging over three years. We were just inviting you, hey, let's give into this project. But then there was a couple of other things that we're putting out before you as well. And we'll continue to do that. And, you know, you're probably going to hear about this every week for a little while. And that was we're inviting you into doing some fundraising. Because we know there's one level to which you can give yourself. There's another level to which when you're in relationship with people or you're in relationship with businesses, you can't always say, hey, give to my church. But you can say, this is a cause that I really, really care about. 
This is what's happening in our community. We want to do something about it. I'm going to do something that makes me a little uncomfortable. Would you sponsor me while I go about that? So that's the heart of fundraising. So we've got the CrossFit challenge that's coming up. You saw that. If you were here last week, you saw that video. We've got a Polar Plunge challenge coming up. We've got fun runs. We're we're going hard after this, right? So what we need is partnership with people who are saying, I'll do that. I'll fundraise. Go for it. And all of that is on our website, packets that you can download so you can just go for it because our first challenge is starting in March. And then the third thing that you can do is you can share. So we're working on building a whole crowdfunding thing right now. In fact, that should be ready to release in the next couple of weeks. And that's the other way is getting the word out to your network of people. Once again, saying this is a cause that I really believe in. We want to take ownership for our community. You know, every little bit counts. Um, If 85,000 people gave $10, right? We're there. So, so that's another way that we're going to just be inviting you in. And, and can everybody say partnership? This is, this is our, um, as a family, let's do this, let's get this going, and let's get this finished. So with that, I'm going to give that back to you, Dennis. All right, I want to look at a scripture real quick. We're actually inviting you to consider filling out a card today. We'd love to have it there. What the elders need is to see what kind of commitment we have in the body as we make decisions about the future progress of this building. We're going to complete this building. Everybody say yay. Um, however, the way and how we get it done is largely going to depend on how you guys respond. Second Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 8, I want to read this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Say cheerful. The last thing that we want is for people to feel like, feel guilty about not giving or guilty into giving. Nada. We're not going there, all right? We want you to ask the Lord and listen to the Lord and be willing to obey. Brenda and I finished our discussion last night. We talked about it before and been praying about it. And, uh, and so she prayed. She woke up like two nights ago, I guess, and was praying about it. And the Lord gave her a number. And, uh, and then I, she says, so what's your number? And I gave my number. And we were about $50 off because we has some interesting ways that we were thinking about it. And both of our numbers are more than what we reasonably can give. In other words, if we were to sit down and look at our checking account and look what's in our bank and everything, we, we wouldn't choose to do that because it makes sense. How many know that means faith is involved? Faith, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen. And so... So we looked at each other and we prayed and we actually were excited like, okay, so we're going to see God because he gave us the number. We're going to see God do some things in our lives this year financially that's above the norm so we can fulfill our pledge. And, and so we're inviting you to sit down, if you're a couple or an individual, sit down with the Lord and say, God, what can I be happy about giving, believing that you are my provider? And so I'm excited about that opportunity for you to see God work on your behalf. 
One other thing I want to share that's really important, because I, I know this is a step of faith for all of us, is in this summer, when we were in this place, like, are we going to build this summer or not? We had an appointment with Jeremy and Scott to talk about it. Two days before we had that conversation with our general contractor, Chris Valentin, who is a prophet, was on a Zoom session with myself and about 15 other pastors from around the planet. And Steve Backlund was hosting this Zoom session. And at the end of the Zoom session, uh, we had 10 minutes left, and Steve says, Hey, Chris, prophesy over a couple of these pastors. And so Chris prophesied this. Dennis, I felt like the Lord said to tell Dennis, it's a new day. Say, it's a new day. I feel like it's a new day, and I saw this vision of you on a whiteboard. And you had all this stuff on this whiteboard, and one side it was the pros, the other side were the cons. And God just erased the whiteboard, and he goes, oh no, we're not going to do that. It's a completely new day. Isaiah 42, 9 and 10, the former things have come to pass. Behold, I proclaim new things to you. We're doing a new thing, a God thing. And you've been planting for just years. You've like, nothing grows here in Alaska. And Chris says, I don't know what's going on. It's going to spring up suddenly. There's going to be, you know, I don't, didn't coin this, but somebody said, it takes a long time for God to act suddenly. And I feel like that's going to be your model next year. That's this year, 2020. That's going to be your model next year, 2020. And you're going, you're going to be like, people will say, wow, that happened right away. And you're going to be like, actually, it's been 14 and a half years. We've been planting and watering and we've been fertilizing. And then it just popped up. It's going to pop up so quickly. It's going to spring forth so quickly. So when Chris gave that word to me, I actually, to be honest with you, at first like, was, kind of, was not sure what it applied to. He went on later in the Word, and if you ever want to see the whole Word, you can come sit, talk to me, and I can give you the whole Word. But he said, there's going to be a move of the Spirit that comes out of Alaska. Have we ever heard that before? And it's going to be impacting America, and it's going to be 100 times stronger than the revelation of Sarah Palin. And, and so that is included in the Word. And so I'm in this place like, okay, so 14 and a half years ago, what happened? For, why do you say 14 and a half years and I'm kind of like wandering, and I talk to Tanner. Tanner's way more prophetic than I am. And he said, Dad, I think it has to do with the building. I said, why do you think it has to do with the building? He said, well, it's about 14 and a half years ago is when we first pursued a building as a church to buy. And it was the mall. How many were here when we pursued the mall, Cottonwood Creek Mall? A handful of you. And, uh, and so we did. We did a fundraising campaign and ended up, we couldn't, we didn't, it didn't happen. It happened. And so I called Scott, who was on our board, uh, church board. I said, Scott, who now is our general contractor. It's, way how, reason, it's so interesting how God works things around. Who's now our contractor. I said, Scott, when was it that we first started seriously as a board talking about purchasing the mall? He says, I don't know. Let me look at my files. He texts back. He said, exactly to the day 14 and a half years ago. Not knowing what Chris just said. And so then I, I knew, I knew that this was about the building. And really the only thing that we were going pros and cons was, do we build now? Do we wait? Do we build now? Do we wait? Now I want to talk to you real quickly about prophecy, because a lot of you have had prophetic words. A prophecy is given from God's mouth, and there's grace on that, on that prophecy to accomplish 
what it's said to accomplish. However, the person that receives the prophetic word has to step out in faith, engage the prophetic word, and walk it out. And walk it out. You don't just wait and say, well, will it happen? No, you, you have to step into it. I'll give you an example. Chris Valentin was uh, speaking one time at a church. He walked up to this guy like Derek here. He said, Derek, I don't know why I'm hearing this. This is Chris. He's a prophet. It's the way they work. I don't know why I'm hearing this, Derek, but you're going to be the next sheriff in this town. I'm not, I'm not a prophet, and I'm not saying that, Derek. Relax. <laughs> and, but this fella said, okay, apparently he had a dream to influence the culture from a law enforcement place. And so it was a position that was voted on. It was elected position. And, uh, and so this guy said, okay, I'm going to run. And, and Chris said, I'll get a team around you, an intercession team, and, and I'll help you campaign. And, and so they, he ran on one side of the ticket. It was a two-party ticket. And he came forth in the primary. And Chris goes, bummer, I must have had pizza that night. I blew that one. But two days later, the guy calls him and says, I'm going to run as a write-in. And Chris goes, are you serious? You lost the primary. You were fourth place in the primary. And the guy says, was that the word of the Lord or was it not? And so Chris says, well, okay. I'll pray with you. I'll agree to help help you. The guy won as a write-in as a, at a landslide level. And people talked about actually afterwards, people went in to vote for a different guy and actually heard a word that they, some were angelic visitations, and voted, wrote this guy's name in. But here's what I want you to hear. The man who became the sheriff had to partner with faith. I believe Chris is a prophet. I believe this is a word from the Lord that it's going to rise up quickly. But he is, the Lord is looking for the Northgate family and maybe those outside Northgate family. Are you going to profit with what God wants to do? Are you going to um, bring your strength to what God wants to do on the earth? So we're going to give you a few minutes. Um, maybe you're ready to write down on the pledge. We've got these boxes here. Um, and uh, we're just going to take a few minutes here, give you time. So let's just take a few minutes. We've got a video at the same time. Write on, write on your cards. If you want to take it home and pray about it and talk about it, we'll have these boxes here the next two weeks as well. So let's just take a moment before the Lord. All right, why don't you go ahead and stand real quickly. <clears throat> I want to pray over you all. I want to pray God's financial breakthrough over all of your lives. I, I felt last night as I was praying, I felt the favor of the Lord saying, I'm going to release blessing on Northgate family. So Father, I thank you. For your hand over every person in this room, over their finances. 
I thank you, Lord, that this is going to be a year that debts are paid off. I thank you, Lord, this is going to be the year of promotions. I see houses that they were going to be for sale and they sell full price or better. I see all kinds of different blessings of the Lord. God, you have a hope and a future to prosper your church family, to prosper us individually and corporately. You're not a calamity, but a future and hope. So we agree right now over every home, every position, every person, prosperous the uh, year in Jesus' name. Put your hand on your neighbor. Say, increase, increase, the increase, Daniel, increase, 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 increase. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Okay, um, sit down for just a minute. Jeremy and Kara, Daniel, would you guys come up here real quick? Scott and Marianne, just for a minute. <clears throat> Say family. Say family. Say family. All right. Hey, these guys um, uh, are sound decisions, and Scott and, and Marianne. Um, they're, they're, one of the things I'm excited about what God's going to do, because when you see the hand of the enemy that tries to resist something, you know God's got something big in plan. And uh, there's been car wrecks in these families have had. Kara was in one. Scott's had been in two or three. One of their uh, sound decision trucks was crashed. And, and I just want to pray protection over sound decisions, our contractors. Can we do that? And their families. Can you extend your hands? Oh, here's some sound decision employees. Yeah. Wyatt. Philip can stand up. Might, might as well. Come on up here, buddy. We're going to... It's hard to get up here. What's beautiful about this story is, um, is that our own people... Uh, contractors get to step in and build the building, and, and uh, they're doing us a, a, a really good job. So, Father, we stand in agreement right now for your covering, your protection over sound decisions. We thank you, God, that you mean to bless this company big time and the people who work there. We pray covering and protection, spiritual protection, physical protection over uh, Jeremy and Kara, Scott, Father, and uh, Mary Ann, Daniel and Laura, Philip and Karen, Wyatt, and Micah and Haley and others, we just, Trevor and, and Michelle, we just come into agreement for your covering and your protection over this company as they sow into our building and beyond, of course. And so we bless them, protect them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I don't have time to preach the message, um, but I want to talk about what, where we're at as a church Carla opened up the door. We, um, we are becoming disciples, not converts. Say, I'm a disciple. A disciple is somebody who's following Jesus. And God didn't create us to be converts and just go to heaven, but we actually are created by God to make disciples. It's an assignment. And one of the things about making a disciple or being a disciple is um, being real with God, being honest with God. Do you know what the most beautiful thing is? Is when he died on the cross, paid the, the price for your sin, he opened his arms and says, come be with me. Come hang out with me. Come know me, and I want to know you. It's a place where you can be 100% transparent. There's three things I want to tell you about Jesus. He wants heart connection with you. He, don't, he doesn't want you to know about him only. He wants intimacy. Into me see. Into me see. He wants intimacy.
Second thing is he's a great listener. <laughs> he has things to say too, but he's a great listener. And the third thing is he's available. He's present. He's the one friend that won't be on his cell phone. He's emotionally available for you. But it takes intentionality and time. It takes the word being opened. And it takes quietness of the soul. The way we become a disciple is we be with Jesus. And my message was about being with Jesus, but that you just got the whole thing right there. We are inviting you to be with Jesus. A couple books that might help. This is one that I've gone through once. I'm going to start it again. The Practice of Being with Jesus, Chris Cruz. And this one, Nathan preached out of it. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. We have some in the back. If we run out, which we probably will, you can always order them on Amazon. All right, why don't you stand? We're going to pray that prayer, Franklin, together and call it a good morning. All right, now, the first hour when we prayed this prayer, they were in a hurry. They hurried me too fast. That's part of our problem. We've got to slow down. Everybody say, slow it down. All right, we're going to read this prayer. And, and like, you know, I mean, let's just, Jesus is here. He's with us. This isn't just like a religious exercise. This is, let's be real. Okay, with me. Jesus, my life is nothing without you. I long to be in your presence where I find true peace and rest. Wash over me with your love and cast out all my fears. You're my safe place, the one I run to. Everything is different when I am with you. As I rest here, overshadow my heart and my mind with your love and your thoughts. Thank you, God. Thank you for the invitation to come boldly before the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and grace in the time of need. Thank you, Lord, that we could come and unveil our faces before you and be safe. I pray that you would actually put us in community where we can unveil our faces in community and know we're safe. I pray that for every person in the room. And we bless what you're doing in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, uh, ministry team, come forward. If you feel like you would like breakthrough, you're stuck, God has authority to break, a grace to break you free today. So come on up here. They'll be here to pray for you. Otherwise, have an amazing week with Jesus.